Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. It's Wednesday the 19th of June. Coming up, police continue crackdown on drug and knife crime. We also want to send a very clear message to criminals in this county and beyond that Kent is not a place where they want to come and operate. 75th anniversary of doodlebug bomb attacks during the Second World War. I could see the silhouette of the houses where we lived with no roofs on and... I wanted to go, jump out the door, run and find my mum. And antisocial behaviour forces park closure. I think a police presence would be great um, and I'm very saddened that we've got to consider putting gates in but something has got to be done. Kent Online News. First today, police have carried out another raid as part of a crackdown on drug and knife crime. They seized cash from a property on Tunbridge Road in Maidstone this morning and arrested a man and woman on suspicion of money laundering offences. Christina joined officers in their search earlier and has been speaking to Assistant Chief Constable Nicola Falkenbridge about why these kind of operations are so important. This is the second day of a two-day proactive operation to target those who seek to um, carry out county lines and drug dealing activity in the county and also to target anybody who believes it's safe to carry a weapon in this county. We want to send a very clear message that we will take proactive action to seek them out and to ensure that we keep Kent a safe place for our citizens to live, work and visit. So I know the search is still underway, um, but how how successful has it been so far? Well, we are at that really, really early stage um, of that search and we will be able to update you later with the results of what we find. Um, So there's been two arrests so far. Can you tell me a bit more detail about both of those? Yes, we have two um, arrests. A male and a female have been arrested on suspicion of money laundering offences. So unfortunately we are kind of seeing a rise in both violent crime, sort of county lines, crime, gang crime here in Kent. Do you still think it's a safe place for people to be? It absolutely is a safe place. We have um, been acknowledged by Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary's Fire and Rescue Services for having the most accurate crime recording level in the county. And we take pride in ensuring that we record crimes accurately. Knife crime under that category comes um, any possession of any uh, bladed object or any article such as a dart would also be recorded as knife crime. So we, um, some of the rise is around our accuracy in crime recording, but it's also around the proactive approach that we take. We have a dedicated team out every day of the week seeking out individuals who seek to cause harm within our communities. And then on top of that, we do two days of action such as we did yesterday and today in order to target um, those even further so that we ensure Kent does absolutely stay a safe place to live, work and visit. And why you know, do you think these warrants are so important, not only to keep people safe, but also to, to show people you, know, you can't get away with it? Yeah, we want to send a clear message. We want to send a clear message to our communities that we will do everything in our power to keep you safe. But we also want to send a very clear message to criminals in this county and beyond. And we're working very closely with all of our neighbouring forces to send that clear message to criminals that Kent is not a place where they want to come and operate. Yesterday, 15 weapons, more than 300 wraps of Class A drugs and thousands of pounds in cash were seized from 18 other properties in the county. Meantime, pictures of the people most wanted by Kent police are going to be displayed on giant screens at a Kent shopping centre. From next week, you'll be able to see images of the suspects at the Orchards shopping centre in Dartford. It's hoped the idea will be rolled out across several other shopping centres. Kent Online reports.
Four people have been injured after an ambulance crashed and ended up on its side outside Kent's busiest hospital. It's overturned near the Marlborough Road entrance to Medway Maritime in Gillingham yesterday afternoon. Two paramedics, the patient and a relative who were all in the ambulance were taken to A&E and were told there will be a full investigation into what happened. A third man's been charged by police investigating a series of robberies at shops in Dartford and South Darrenth. Staff have been threatened and cigarettes stolen from a number of stores in the area over the last six months. The latest suspect is due in court today, while two other men have already been remanded in custody to appear at Crown Court next month. Kent Online News. The mum of a 25-year-old man who died when the boat that was towing him in a rubber ring crashed into jet skis off Herne Bay is joining calls for more safety measures along that stretch of coast. Jordan Lupton died two years ago and now the council is considering introducing a speed limit in the water as well as using cameras to help enforce restrictions. They're also being urged to give out temporary number plates to make sure people can identify anyone who's behaving dangerously. It's been 75 years since the start of the Doodlebug summer when Kent was bombed with V1 rockets from German forces during the Second World War. The first of thousands of missiles fell near Swanscombe in June 1944, a week after D-Day. Professor Tim Luckhurst from the University of Kent explains their devastating impact on the county. V1 was Hitler's revenge weapon number one, essentially a terror weapon. It was a two-ton flying unmanned aircraft which contained a tonne of high explosives. About 3,000 V1s were intercepted by a huge barrage balloon field which covered most of Kent and Essex. That brought down 3,000 of them. More than 2,600 got through and landed all over Kent. Kent was the pathway over which the V1s flew towards London. And the initial V1 attacks mainly hit in the South London suburbs, Croydon, Battersea, Wandsworth, Putney. But the government took a very, very calculated decision to try to use intelligence to fool the Germans into thinking that the V1s were flying too far north in the hope that they would correct the flight and make them land south of London. Now that sounds like playing God, and some members of the cabinet thought that was exactly what it was, but they did it on one simple decision. The population density in Kent was lower than that in London and therefore there would be less damage to human life in the county than in the London suburbs. That wouldn't have been much solace to Kentish people who were hit by V1s. Well, the government took a decision not to use anti-aircraft guns because they could see no point in bringing down a V1. After all, unlike a plane, if a V1 came down, it still exploded. So if you used anti-aircraft guns over cities, you were simply bringing the bomb down on your heads. Instead, they used used a wide range of anti-aircraft balloons, barrage balloons, which were quite effective, and occasionally pilots in very quick fighters could tip a V-1 off course and force it to land in the sea. Of course, there was no point in doing that over land because, again, you tip a V-1, it comes down somewhere else, but it still explodes. Well, we know that in England, more than 6,000 people were killed by V-1s, more than a million people evacuated from London in terror at the V-1 assault, and certainly the casualty rates were very high. So exactly one week after D-Day, 
two part-time members of the Royal Observer Corps at a Martello Tower at Dimchurch on Romney Marsh spotted the first V1 at exactly eight minutes past four on the morning of Tuesday, 13th June 1944. They said it was about the size of a small fighter plane. They didn't know exactly what it was, but they said it made a noise like a Model T Ford going uphill. Joy Mugridge was living in Strood at the time and remembers running for her life after a doodle bug stopped overhead. I remember going down the dugout in the night, gotten out of bed and been told, when I say run, run, and they would have to run and go down the dugout and sit down there for hours on end. But doodlebugs were coming towards the end because I was five, I think, when doodlebugs appeared. And I remember being in the being told that if they the engine stopped to run for cover, right? Uh, we I was in the garden and it must have been summer because we were in the garden with cousins and uh, two cousins and my sister in a in a doll's pram. Well, this doodlebug stopped right above us right above us and of course being kids you thought it would come straight down of course it carries on so they started to run because and they ran to the dugout and me being small i ran behind them but when we got there it was locked so they got in the porch of it but there was no room for me so i had to stand on the path so i stood and cried but nobody told mother indoors that there was a doodle bug stopped overhead and of course it carried on and it went down there used to be chalk pits where the cinemas are now in Strood, and it landed on the edge well we didn't know that and it went boom and all the windows shook Mother, oh, fairly regularly because obviously they're heading. They, they were going in this one particularly was going as if it. You were looking at the river from Strood side. It, it came over the bridge, because and it was going towards Cuxton Snodland and that that way, because obviously they were after the short seaplane factory on the river because that was directly opposite us. And obviously the dockyard, and that's why they came. We got fairly regularly uh, bombed and what have you. Yeah, it was a sort of erratic noise. It wasn't as if you heard a plane. It was sort of, <laughs> and it sort of, you knew what it was. Jill Upton was heading home on the train when a bomb dropped in Snodland, where she lived with her mum and sister. It was this weekend, so I went off shopping at Maidstone, and on the way back. I went to catch the train uh, to Snodland and I watched a doodlebug go overhead. And I didn't, I heard it stop, but I uh, thought no more about it. I thought it drifted for miles. And then I caught the train. On the train, somebody said, That doodlebug felt at Snodland. And I leapt off my seat then because that's where I lived and looked out the window to see if I could see. And I looked across the, the scenery outside and I could see the silhouette of the houses where we lived with no roofs on. And um, I wanted to go, jump out the door, run and find my mum. But they grabbed my arm and said, sit down, which I did. And, and, and st- you're, you're nearly at the station. And I, of course, as soon as I got to the station, I leapt out of the train 
and I ran up to, uh, towards our house as fast as I could. But on the way, I saw our grocer man, and he said, "Don't worry, Jill. Your mum is safe, and your and your sisters are all right. Nobody's hurt in your house." So I felt relieved, but I still ran as fast as I could home. When I got there, there was it was all cordoned off by the police, and um, they wouldn't let me through. So I went through an alleyway in some houses and found my way through to, onto the road to get home to see what the situation was. I could see these houses had all got no roofs and damaged and no windows or anything. Anyway, I got there and my mother was there and a friend and uh, the tea table was still laid with a mess of ceiling <laughs> debris from the ceiling that had fallen all over it and uh, the wow. whole place was in a, a mess so uh, anyway the friend that was with my mother and uh, helping us she said don't worry John you obviously can't stay here tonight you'll so I, I went home with her and uh, she looked after me and I stayed there Kent Online reports £10,000 is being spent on five new gates at a park in Canterbury to try and stop people going in at night and making a lot of noise. From next month, the main entrances to Dangeon Gardens will be locked up from 10 until 4 in the morning as part of a trial aiming to tackle antisocial behaviour. Lib Dem councillor Nick Eden-Green says people leaving the nearby nightclub are disrupting residents' lives. The problem is at night, particularly from the nightclub and nightclubbers going to and fro, um, causing a nuisance and disturbance to local residents and putting up the gates is an experiment but we hope that it may lead to some solution and resolution of that problem. Particularly in the summer it does get very noisy indeed um, with some people and it's only a minority um, screaming and shouting, making a lot of noise, breaking bottles, the occasional fight, things of that sort uh, which is obviously disturbing people's sleep and very often people have got to get up to go to work the next morning uh, and they need a decent night's sleep. But I stress it is the minority um, and sadly it's the nightclubbers who are the problem. I think a police presence would be great um, and I'm very saddened that we've got to consider putting gates in. Uh, very saddened indeed. But something has got to be done. Some, un unfortunately the police haven't in the past been prepared to come out and, and put people in um, and you know the gates it seems are the only option that we've got at the moment uh, but you know there ought to be other ways of doing things redirecting people perhaps um, having police having security staff uh, there are other options but um, it's a matter of getting the club to pay for them. They've certainly been working on putting in the gates and looking at this as an experiment um, but uh, as the club has greater and greater numbers and later and later night openings, it's really that that I think they need to address. These are public gardens for everybody to enjoy um, and they ought to be open to the public 24 hours a day in my view. They are of course places that everybody has got absolute right to come in and out of. Um, it's uh, I think again saddening that we're going to have to put some nighttime restriction on them. but. Uh, 
that's the nature of the way in which a few people, and I stress it is a very few, spoil the lives of the many. Kent Online News. £1,500 worth of equipment has been destroyed after a storage unit used by a Kent football team burnt down. Crews were called to the blaze on the wreck at Church Street in Borton-Monchelsea near Maidstone in the early hours of yesterday. MPE FC, which has 14 different teams, lost a white line machine along with flags and goals. It's not yet known how the fire started. Junctions on part of the M20 are going to close for entire weekends in July as work continues to convert it into a smart motorway. £92 million is being spent on changing the hard shoulder into an extra lane in a bid to ease congestion on the carriageway near Maidstone. And a Kent Theatre will be closed for six weeks this summer while it undergoes a half a million pound refurbishment. Seating, lighting and the sound system will be replaced at the Orchard in Dartford. The auditorium's also being redecorated with new carpet. A change in the layout is going to make room for another 69 seats, taking the number up to 1,025. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.